Copy, shift boss. I got radio check. Yeah, radio is working fine. Yeah, copy all personnel. Yeah, copy, mate. The chair in the vent bag. Yeah, stitcher up there. Thanks, mate. G'day everyone, welcome to Life of Mine, the go-to mining podcast. Matty Michael here as your host, as usual. Uh, when I say mining podcast, we're venturing into uncharted waters today, actually. This is the first instalment of our finance series that I mentioned on our Facebook page. During this series, I'm going to do some episodes on shares, superannuation, uh, mortgages, property investment, credit cards... Bad and other forms of bad debt, but uh, this first episode is on shares. Now, before we get into this, I just want to do a brief disclaimer. So these finance episodes don't constitute financial advice. I am personally not a financial advisor, and it's general information only that I'm going to provide, and it should not be taken as professional advice. So everybody's circumstances are different and unique, so you should seek independent financial advice and taxation advice from a qualified person. So pretty much what I'm saying, you can't bloody sue me. You'd be a dickhead if you did, but anyway, you never know who's out there. So I'll have to put this disclaimer in. So buying shares, a lot of people ask about buying shares as a means of generating extra wealth. Uh, Shares, if done the proper way, the proper and boring way, create a guaranteed profitable long-term savings pool but if done the incorrect way like i did you can dig a financial hole that is just so deep it'll take you years to get out of so just so you all know that i'm not full of shit and i have a lot of experience in how to lose money full disclosure Uh, I have personally lost in excess of $100,000 in the share market by doing absolutely stupid things. I used used the share market as a form of gambling, and I did this via derivative products called CFDs that pretty much allow you to borrow a shitload of money to buy shares and multiply the risk-reward factor significantly. So I'm not not going to go into CFDs at all because they're just a disease. All I want to say about CFDs and, and margin loans or any other form of leveraged trading, don't even consider them, don't research them, don't ask anyone about them. They, they just do not exist. Using, using CFDs made me just hit a rock bottom numerous times and I'm, I'm still recovering from it now. So I'm not, I'm not just doing this to fill in the episodes for Life of Mine. This is really, really personal for me and this is why I've done the share episode first because I just do not want anyone to do what I did. I, sh- I should own a bloody house outright by now if I didn't waste all my money on CFDs and gambling and durries. So... I hope this really reinforces how passionate I am in helping the mining community in any way, shape or form. So I was actually talking to the missus on the way to the airport today to fly back to work about how these upcoming episodes, especially the one on shares, is actually the first good thing that's come out of all the financial mistakes I've made. So I really do hope this episode helps some people out there. And as I I said, I've flown back to work today. So this is actually the inaugural episode that i've recorded in me donger the the bloody infamous the the dongers where i'm at at agnew they're bloody huge they're the biggest ones i've ever been in so what a what a great recording studio i don't know how the acoustics are and well, i don't really give a shit really so anyway we'll get into it and learn a bit about shares and investing so investing in shares the correct way now what do i mean by the correct way 
The correct way is absolutely boring as batshit. It doesn't doesn't excite you. It just, you won't be seeing any shares just double overnight. Think of think of the complete polar opposite to Bitcoin and speculative mining stocks. It's it's an invest and forget mentality that you have to have to adopt. So you'll notice that. Uh, believe it or not, miners, they, they always want to invest in mining stocks, especially the speculative stocks, the ones that they're hoping will go from five cents to three bucks after they bloody hit a drill hole, hit a hit the mother load with a surface drill hole. So just, just fucking forget about them. Forget about them. They don't exist. Leave that shit up to the, the gamblers, the gamblers that want to lose their money, just like I did. You, the amount of time and money you spend on trying to find these speculative stocks such as a like Sandfire Resources or a Sirius or a Northern Star back in the day when they were five cents and spiralled up to the high share prices that they are now. The, it's just one in a bloody shitload chance of you better better trying to back the back the trifecta in the Melbourne Cup each year. So if you if you just put that money in the boring shit, you'd be way further ahead than trying to chase these chase these speculative stocks. Now suppose you're wondering, before I get too into this, where how I how I turned it around and where this where this inspiration come from. Plain and simple, go and buy the Barefoot Investor book. There's two of them. There's one for uh, adults, one for Barefoot Investor for kids. That book just absolutely changed my life and my mentality. It's the best thing best thing I ever did. My mother in law got me onto it and it it's once you get into it you realise why it took over the country as a craze. It's just so simple and it just got me out of the bloody hole I was in, which was uh full credits and a lot of the a lot of the information I'm gonna pass on to you in these finance episodes have been inspired by the barefoot investor. So I'm, I've sent him an email today, Scott Papp, trying to, oh, I want to get him on the show. I want to get him on the show. Be a good promo for the Barefoot Investor. He'll sell a lot of books, but that's, uh, you got you got to have goals. My goal is to get Scott Papp on here and uh, see if he can pass on some of his financial knowledge and expertise that's made him millions onto the, onto the broader mining community. So first, I'm going to give you an example of what long-term share investing can do for you. So if you saved 500 bucks a month, every month for 20 years, straight into your bank account, you'd end up with 120 grand. Now, now this doesn't take into account inflation because 500 bucks in 20 years time will be worth a lot less than 500 bucks is today. So all the finance nerds out there that are critiquing this, just go away. Us miners don't care. We're, We're just keeping this simple. So on the other hand, if you put $500 a month on average into the share market for 20 years and you received an average annual return of 5%, which is pretty reasonable, some years it'll go up heaps, some years the bloody market will shit itself and you'll have a market crash, but overall 5% average annual return is easily attainable. So if you did that, 500 bucks a month for 20 years on average, you'll end up with 224000 which is 104,000 gross profit minus any capital gains taxes that you'll have to pay when you sell everything. So there's that's $104,000 extra by putting that money into the share market for 20 years instead of just putting it in your bank, just having it sit there. So uh, 500 bucks a month, that's $6,000 cash a year. And to put that in context, I was spending close to 
10 grand a year just on durries when I quit so that's so 6000 isn't isn't too much when you when you think of it over a whole year so if you up that to say $1000 a month so that's 12 grand a year so which you could achieve that if you're getting a big tax return each year for instance and you could buy some lump sums at tax time so you'd end up with after 20 years you'd end up with 423,000 at 5% every average annual return which which is uh, $183,000 profit compared to putting it in the bank so you can say after 20 years if you stick to that boring methodology you're getting close to doubling your money just by letting it sit there in the share market and letting it do it letting it do its thing now how do you achieve this 5% return that we speak of so there's two main ways so it's either if the share price goes up which is referred to as capital growth, or if the companies pay you dividends, which they refer to as yield. So in, in the blue chip companies, you'll get a degree of both capital growth and, and yield. So these percentages sound very small when we're talking about doubling your money, but this is all based on the compounding effect. So it's like a snowball effect. So where as your portfolio gets bigger, when I say portfolio, it's the size of, it's the, uh, value of all your shares that you own so as your portfolio gets bigger and bigger the returns get bigger and bigger and it just keeps it keeps fueling the fire so this is the same when you're paying off your mortgage but in reverse so we're paying off extra off your mortgage reduces the interest and it compounds so you can pay off your house much quicker than if you only paid the minimum minimum monthly repayment but we'll, we'll leave all the mortgage stuff to the property episodes that'll come up so how how do you buy shares you may ask so you do you do it through an online broker so online brokers are available through all the big banks so combanks is comsec nabs is nabtrade anz's is anz share investing and westpac is westpac online investing so these platforms it'll usually be 20 bucks a trade so 20 bucks when you buy a lump of shares that are less than 10 grand worth and 20 bucks if you sell the shares so there are other platforms that are out there that are cheaper but they'll just try and sell you their bloody cfd products and try and suck you in so i'd recommend just keep it simple go with the broker that's attached to whichever bank you bank with so if you if you're with ing for example or another bank that isn't a part of the big four just go with whoever one of those one of those four so they're all they're all pretty much the same so they'll, they'll set up a bank account for you and that's that bank account is where you put your money into and that money is used as the transaction account when you buy the shares. So there's heaps of videos and tutorials online within those brokers' websites and they'll tell you how to buy shares. Like, look, it's a bit daunting at the start. So if you have any drums, you just call them and they'll take you take you through it all. So, But don't, don't buy shares over the phone because they'll sting you with a shitload of brokerage. So I think Com- Combank will, Comsec will charge $60 per trade over the phone instead of 20, bu- 20 bucks doing it online. So you can simply, it's as simple as doing it through your phone. Um, you can get apps for it and everything. So that's a good enough rundown on how to actually set up a online trading account. So what are these boring blue chip stocks that I speak of? So your blue chip stocks are your banks, BHP, Rio, CSL, West Farmers, they own Coles and Bunnings, uh, Woolworths, Woodside Petroleum, Telstra, all, all those ones. They're your, they're your biggest biggest companies in Australia. The, the other boring ones 
that you can get are ETFs. Uh, they stand for exchange traded funds, and they just track whole markets and there's there's bloody thousands of them so vanguard so vas the stock code vas that tracks the asx 300 so whatever the asx 300 does this vas mirrors it exactly so vgs tracks international shares uh, all around the world then there's also listed investment companies that invest in a varying range of portfolios so the one that uh the safe boring option is AFIC, A-F-I-C, and that just invests in blue chip Australian companies. So the benefit of uh, going with a listed investment companies such as AFIC or VAS or VGS, those Vanguard ETFs, is that the volatility of one single stock won't really affect your share performance than if you held that stock by itself. So let's talk about Telstra, for example. So Telstra is classed as a blue chip stock and its share price went from $6 to below $3 over over a recent long-term period. So there's obviously if you held Telstra, you'd that would have significantly impacted your long-term gains. But if you just held a Vanguard ETF or uh, AFIC, for example, which would hold Telstra, Telstra is a part of those shares, for instance, you wouldn't have really noticed the impact of uh, Telstra than if you held Telstra by itself. So the benefit of those ETFs and listed investment companies such as AFIC is that you'd don't notice the volatility as much, which is what you want. You don't want volatility to impact your returns. You just want the boring, slow and steady way. As you can see, I'm really driving home this boring factor. Boring. You don't. If you want excitement and you want to waste money, go go slap it in, slap a fifty in the pokies. But uh, this is this is not the not the place for excitement, unfortunately. But. Uh, have, knowing that you're going to make money long term, that's that's the exciting part. So now the next bit uh, I want to speak about is the setting up of your share trading account uh, based on who is the lowest income earner in your family. So this this mostly applies to the married folk. So the most tax beneficial way to maximize your returns from shares is to create your share trading account in whichever spouse is the lowest income earner. So if you're work for example, if you're working in mining and your spouse at home is the higher income earner, well you're just bloody killing it. You're a legend. Good on you. You're a bloody legend. You're well done. But if you are working in mining and your spouse is the stay-at-home parent working a couple of days a week and they're the lower income earner, that's who you want to put the share trading accounts uh, as the holder. So there's there's other options like setting up trusts, but the simple option is this one. This is what we'll go through. So before I tell you why, we'll go over the marginal tax rates in Australia, which will lead into explain why we do this so if you earn between zero and 18 grand 18,200 you, you don't get taxed at all tax-free threshold is 18,000 so if you earn between 18 and 37 you get taxed at 19 percent for that portion 
Then the next bracket, 37 to 87, you get taxed at 32.5%. 87 to 180,000, you get taxed for at 37% for that portion. And then every dollar you earn over 180,000, you get taxed at 45%. So that's the big one. So the tax benefits of having the share trading account in the lower income earner's name, that benefit is realized when you either sell the shares for a profit, which is known as a capital gain, or when you receive dividends from the company. So that I'll further explain dividends later. But the income received, the profit, is added to your taxable income. So for example, if Jumbo Op is earning over 180,000 a year, so every dollar over 180, they are getting taxed at 45%. But their spouse is at home looking after the kids, for example, and they're working two days a week, earning 25 grand a year. So any extra dollar they earn will be taxed at 19%, any extra dollar up to $37,000. So if you're going to make a profit from shares in any way, whether it's via a capital gain or annual dividends, you would rather that profit be put onto your lower income spouse's taxable income that will only be taxed at 19% rather than putting on top of the, the jumbo ops taxable income, which is going to be taxed at 45%. Now, when, when I refer to the capital gain being taxed, now, you only get taxed on a capital gain is when you sell the shares. So if you just hold, if the shares are going up and up and up and you hold them, you won't get taxed at all. They can be worth bloody $100 million in your portfolio, but you will, you will not get taxed on them. You only get taxed on the share price going up when you sell those shares. But dividends, on the other hand, that are distributed to you each year, whether it's twice a year or once a year, they are taxed each year you receive them. So, And when you're receiving dividends annually, the benefit is also realised having that share trading account in the lower income earner's uh, name when it comes to the franking credits. Now, you would have heard about this all in the Labor's policies in the recent election that they lost. So I'll... I'll give a bit of a rundown on dividends and, and franking credits. So dividends are, is money that's just, that is earnings, profits that are distributed by companies to shareholders. So for instance, Telstra has been renowned for a high dividend yield stock. So they're notoriously, their share price didn't move much. It actually went down a lot. Their share price didn't move much that they pumped out big dividends each year and that's how people made their money so when you hear that a company has released a fully franked dividend a dividend that is 100 percent franked that means the company has paid 30 percent company tax to the government and that dividend has been taxed already there's 30 percent tax being taken out of that dividend if it was a 50 percent franked dividend that means there's been 15 percent tax taken out of that dividend. Now the concept of franking credits is so that those dividends aren't taxed twice. So they've already been taxed 
by the the company's already been taxed for them. So the franking credit avoids the shareholder being taxed for it as well because it'd be being taxed twice, which wouldn't be fair. So when you receive a fully franked dividend, as I said, that's saying that 30% tax has been already taken out of that. So for example, you got a miner that's earning 150 grand a year who has received a fully franked dividend of 30%. They will have to pay, mate, they have to make up the difference. So if they're on 150k a year, any extra dollar they earn is taxed at 37%. So they would have to make up the 7%. So they have to bring it up from the 30% that the company's paid in tax they have to add 7% to their marginal tax rate of 37%. So if it was a bloke, a, a miner earning over 180 grand a year, any extra dollar they earn will be charged at 45%. So if they would have to pay an extra 15%, 30% company tax rate plus an extra 15 to bring it up to their 45%. Though on the other hand, if the lower income earner holds the shares and they earn 25000 a year, for example, which is at a marginal tax rate of 19%, they would actually receive an 11% refund. So the company's already paid 30% tax on the dividends, and the lower income earner's marginal tax rate is 19 so they would actually receive some of that tax back as a franking credit refund and this was the whole thing that bill shorten wanted to get rid of he wanted to get rid of the ability for lower income earners and retirees to actually get that refund back so in the case of retirees that were in a zero tax environment so they were self-funded retirees they'd worked hard all their life to set themselves up that way and they were paying no tax out of their superannuation etc because they weren't receiving any income, they would get that whole 30% tax back as a as a franking credit refund. So that was that's why that's why Bill lost the election in Queensland, pretty much. Good on you, Bill. So let's let's do a real life example. Let's do some I'll make up a fictitious surname, Tucker. We'll make just a purely made up surname, Tucker. So Mr. and Mrs. Tucker. Mr. Tucker is a jumbo op, for example, and he and both him and his wife, Mrs. Tucker, own both own shares in a company. They've got the exact same amount of shares. And they each get paid a seven thousand dollar fully franked dividend. That's pretty bloody high. They they'd have to own a lot of shares to get that, but I just want to show you the difference that this can make. So a seven thousand dollar fully franked dividend is a $10,000 dividend from the company that has had already $3,000 tax taken out of it, which is the 30% company tax rate. So come to tax time, you got Mr. Tucker and Mrs. Tucker. Both They both lodge their tax returns and each declare that they received a dividend of $10,000 and a franking credit of $3,000. So Mr. Tucker is a overpaid jump operator for example on 190 grand so he's paying the top tax rate of 45 percent on any extra income that he earns and mrs tucker 
is at home working two days a week and looking after their kids and she is earning $20,000 a year and paying 19% on extra earnings. So for this $10,000 dividend, Mr. Tucker will have to pay four and a half grand tax on that because he's getting paid for 45%, 45% marginal tax rate he's on. Miners, the $3,000 franking credit. So that leaves him owing the tax office 1500 Mrs. Tucker, on the other hand, who owns these shares as well, she would have to pay $1,900 on that $10,000 dividend because she's on the marginal tax rate of 19%. Miners, the $3,000 franking credit, and that actually gives her a refund of $1,100. So overall, just by if you had the shares in Mrs. Tucker's name, the lower income earner, you would save $2,600 just in tax, purely by being strategic. So as I said, that was what Bill Shorten was going to remove. She was, he was going to remove the ability for Mrs. Tucker to actually get a refund. So whereas she would have just ended up with a net zero bill. So I hope that makes sense, long and the short. If you are going to hold shares and receive dividends each year, have the share trading account and the shares in the name of the lower income earning spouse. If you if you have one, if you if you're single, you you're bloody stuffed pretty much. But that this also this strategy also applies when you actually go to sell the shares and make a formerly known as a capital gain. So the capital gain, which is the profit you have made on selling those shares, that capital gain is added to the shareholders' taxable income when you sell those shares. So if you sell a heap of shares and you profit $5,000 off those shares, you would rather that profit go on to the lower income spouse's taxable income rather than going on top of the mining wage taxable income. So for that $5,000 profit, you can save 1300 bucks in taxes by being strategic in whose name you have the shares in. So that capital gain, also there's a thing called the capital gains discount, and Bill Shorten was going to halve this as well. So that, again, this isn't going to change. So the... Capital, if you've profited $5,000 on shares, but you have held those shares for longer than one year, the capital gain is halved. So if you've profited 5000 but you've held them for more than one year, you only have to pay tax on 2500 So that's a that's another one. And that applies if you obviously like holding these shares long term, you won't have to worry about that. You'll receive the capital gains discount. So I hope you're all still with me. That's all the bloody technical jargon we've gone through. Now, I want to finish up on just the general thought and strategy of what what shares to pick and what you do. So the only way to make a loss is when you sell the shares. So you if you, you could buy at the absolute peak of the market and you can have a stock market crash and you the value of your portfolio will go down significantly, but... You only make a loss when you sell the shares. So the the point I'm trying to make is uh, you you can't pick the top and bottom of the market. You just you just don't know. But 
the share market is a long-term growth machine. So you've got you've got the biggest companies are in there and they're trying to make money. So they're going to the overall stock market will go up in the long term. So when you buy shares, just forget about them. Don't get taken up in the market volatility, whether the bloody stock market's bloody crashing, there's another GFC, whatever. Usually when the stock market crashes, that's a great opportunity to buy more shares. For the you'll think remember we're thinking over twenty year period. We don't care about what the share market's gonna do in the next week. Who cares? Who cares? So buy and hold is the theory and you want to buy companies and ETFs and blue chips that you know that are going to be around in 10, 20 years time. So that's your things like your West Farmers and your Woolworths and uh, those ETFs that track the ASX 300, VAS was that, Vanguard ETF. They're, they're the ones you want to be looking at. AFIC is, that's the one that barefoot really drives home. Australian Foundation Investment Company, so that just tracks all, that just invests in all your blue chip companies in Australia. So if you buy those, you can't you can't really go wrong long term. Now, the amount you're going to buy at one time. So when I said earlier, if you invested $500 a month in shares, you would receive this. That is not the optimal way to do it because you'll be if you bought $500 worth of shares every month you're paying 20 bucks brokerage every month so you get you lose value there so you want to you want to save up chunks like buy buy two and a half three grand at a time or five grand whatever you're com- comfortable with to get the maximum value out of your $20 brokerage that you've got to pay each time so if you're looking to get started what they what they recommend like just stick to one broad investment company so if you just started buying AFIC shares you you can't really can't really go wrong if you start worrying about trying to pick individual stocks that's when as I said earlier that's when you succumb to the issues of volatility with single stocks where if you buy these Vanguard ETFs or AFIC you're not exposed to that individual stock volatility so that's that's where you'd start now the whole purpose of this is as well as saving money is developing that portfolio to give you a passive income when you're older. Now, what do, what do I mean by passive income? So in 20 years' time, if you've generated this awesome bloody share portfolio where you might have half a million dollars in it and you're receiving a 5% dividend each year on that half a million dollars, that's that's a passive income. You're just getting that money, getting that money for free pretty much. That's 25 grand. Beautiful beautiful your home and hose so that's the that's the purpose of it if you i guess if you spend spend all your money and look even if you even if you pay just paid your house off and you you get to that age you you end up you still have to work you still have to work to provide money for yourself but that that's the that's the beauty of the share market and and other forms of investing is giving yourself a passive income when you're old and you just you might mightn't have to work as much and that's what you that's what you do all this time away for, away from your family, is putting, putting, putting that money to good use. Nothing, nothing is sweeter. So, I hope that's been a good, good rundown on the share market. Any, I've oh, probably bloody missed heaps. Whatever. I think that's a that's a good starting point anyway. So if you've got any questions, send them through to the Life of Mind Facebook page. Message me personally. 
I'm uh, I'm up for whatever. I'll do my best to best to answer them, and if not, I'll do a bit of research and give you the answer or point you in the right direction. So, thank you very much, and remember, forget about CFDs. Catch gotcha. up.